We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. Joining me tonight is my co-host, the man in charge of the beast that is NinersNation.com, KP, Kyle Posey. We're coming off our first 49ers football in a while. How do you feel? We got some football, man. We have some actual football to talk about, so I'm feeling good. It's fun to see, you know, you scroll your timeline, you actually see football clips, which hasn't been the case for a while, so I enjoyed it, man. It was fun to watch. It was just fun to see the guys run around. How about you? What uh, did you think? I mean, I thought it was cool. I mean, it was cool for a while. And, right. and right. again, I almost want to pump my own brakes because football's back. It's fun to watch. I in no way want to disparage the fact that we're getting to watch football but obviously you know in terms of a competitive game and the almost like the legitimacy of what we're seeing only lasts for so long in a preseason game and then it becomes kind of just a hodgepodge of different units being out there trying to evaluate every positions group trying to evaluate a different guy or two or three and so it kind of just becomes this (laughs) like you can like just see the disorganization in just the way the team plays so oh for sure but knowing it, that this was like their first preseason game, knowing who made their debut, do you feel like you were more invested than you usually are in preseason games? Of course, dude. I pretty much at one point wanted the 49ers defense to just stay on the sideline so that the Chiefs could score and then Trey Lance could come back out again. That's yes, at, that. at one point, that's where I was. Like I was like, hey, just step aside. Yeah. I know – yeah, just get it over with so we can get this guy back out here, please. <laughs> but, so yeah, obviously, um, last night, we're recording this on Sunday, last night was the debut of the 49ers rookie third overall pick, Trey Lance, who played quite a bit, played almost the entire first half, and then I think it was only one drive 
to open up the uh, the second half. Got to see a lot of Trey Lance, and man, obviously, I mean, what I've got on my notes is he looked like a rookie, but my goodness, like. I'm assuming everybody listening to this podcast right now has seen what we're talking about, but there was no, although, like I said, he did look like a rookie. He missed some throws. He made some goofy decisions and, and all that, but there was no questioning what the 49ers and the rest of the NFL world saw in Trey Lance after what we saw on Saturday. It was, it was impressive whether it was, that 80 yard bomb to Trent Sherfield that he made look like a flag football play. Like he just kind of rolled out, turned around and was like, Oh yeah, there's that guy. Boom. <laughs> like it was still a great timing throw, but it was not like a timing play. Like he's like, Oh yeah, he's open. Okay. And it, I don't know how far that ball flew. might've been like 50 yards, but that was impressive. We'll talk about it some more, but I don't want to get too much into Trey Lance too fast. I, I'm just pretty sure that's what everybody wants to hear. But overall, it was pretty solid. There was a lot of players that stood out, um, whether for one way or the other, and that's kind of the that's kind of what preseason is all about, is finding out who should be on the final 53-man roster and who shouldn't be. Um, well, I mean, what were your thoughts, dude? Oh, exactly that. I mean, everybody does want to hear about Trey Lance, but I thought just the rookies, seeing, being able to see the rookies, being able to see, and he's not a rookie, but Juwan Jennings, since we haven't had a chance to see him really in live action, like that was good to see. So you kind of, everybody was going to confirm their priors no matter what. But again, it was it was cool to see big plays. And it was just cool to see how fast they are. And I think that's going to be uh, the reason that they are so competitive and just have a winning record this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I figured we would just start out with, um, cause Kyle Shanahan got on a conference call today and kind of just offered a, a quick recap on what he saw yesterday during the game, as well as kind of some injury updates. And I feel like that's kind of where we should start. Um, well, and obviously if you didn't know the 49ers did lose their first preseason game. So obviously it pretty much means that the season, um, is over before it started. And, you know, it, and in case you were wondering, I think the Ravens are like 19-0 in the preseason or something like that. Just on so if you, are, if you are a firm believer that a, the preseason sets the tone for the rest of the regular season, then, then fear not. You'll be, they'll be all right. Um, the, they did lose 19-16, and Kyle Shanahan got on the uh, conference call today. First thing he started out with was injuries. Uh, rookie, second-round pick, offensive lineman. Aaron Banks is going to be out two to three weeks with a foot injury, um, which is unfortunate for him because he's he hasn't looked great. Uh, no, he has not. And that was kind of the case leading up to training camp. So you were, I think the hope was that Banks could be a plug-and-play guy, but the fact that he's never received first-team reps two weeks into training camp is probably an issue. And we kind of saw why on Saturday against the Chiefs just because – I mean, he had a sack. He had a play where they're running zone away from him, I remember, and uh, he just doesn't block anybody. And there were a few times where it just looks like he's not comfortable with what he's seeing. So with him going to miss time a couple weeks, maybe three, uh, that's a lot of reps where he loses out, and that's a lot of preparation where he gets ready for the season. So it just kind of sets back his clock, and that means probably Daniel Brunskill is a guy in. Brunskill can't hope a sack, but that was to Chris Jones, who does that to everybody, so I'm not, you know – going to hit the panic button on the offensive line on the starters just yet. But 
Yeah, it is a little disappointing to see that Aaron Banks has started out this way. Of course, everybody thinks he's the next Josh Garnett because God. He, had a, he had a bad half or a three-quarter, bad three first, uh, a, a bad preseason game to start out his career. Like, come on, man. Um, impossible to improve, by the way. It's right. impossible to improve in the NFL. You are what you are from the moment you step in, and that's it. So along with Aaron Banks, um, undrafted uh, rookie wide receiver Austin Watkins uh, played through a broken foot uh, yesterday in the Chiefs game, and he's supposed to miss six to eight weeks. And that's unfortunate, obviously, just for the base level of him suffering an injury. And in a, in a, at a time where every snap counts – for an undrafted free agent. Every single snap counts. Every opportunity matters. And 49ers fans have kind of seen that. Um, you know, you saw you saw Kendrick Bourne make a run at it. Even you could even say like Richie James, who is was not an undrafted free agent, but he was a late round pick. And you could kind of just see how important those reps become for guys that that are already facing an uphill battle. So now he's going to be out for a while. Um and again, the other part of that was especially with a guy like Trent Taylor. I mean, foot in, foot breaking a foot can be very finicky. And it, they always seem like they want to be on the safer side in terms of recovery time. It's an easy in it's an easy spot to re-injure. Um and and it can just kind of cascade into a bunch of problems. So hopefully Austin Watkins doesn't have to deal with any of that. Um I don't know how the I mean I'm, I'm assuming he's basically just going to go on IR for now. I need to rehearse or rehash myself on the IR rules just to make sure I know them all because I'm pretty sure they're still closer to last season than they are than they were like how it used to be, you know. Right. So, so that's unfortunate. Um, another rookie uh, running back, Elijah Mitchell, he's out a few weeks with uh, I think it was an abductor strain, um, which I believe is your abdomen, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, I just kind of had put two and two together there. So a couple of injuries, a few injuries, all the rookies, um, unfortunate, but it kind of is what it is. It's just the nature of the game. I think the 49ers at this point can just should just be happy that none of those were major injuries, like season-ending type stuff, because that's where their luck has been right. as of late. So, you know, it, you know. For, for Watkins, like undrafted free agent, it, it sucks just because he's been a guy that's been making plays, whether it's with the twos or whether it's with the threes. And he does run with the first team every now and then, but all the skill players get a chance to do so. But, you know, with, with undrafted rookie free agents, I think they have, as you mentioned with Kendrick Bourne, those are the guys that get those opportunities that can fight up the depth chart. And Adam Thielen is a popular one. So like, these guys can become stars. I'm not saying Watkins was on his way to becoming a superstar in the NFL, but just knowing that his time, you know, his clock's kind of set back uh, with that injury, like six, eight weeks, that's a lot. And, do you think this is going to be a similar to Juwan Jennings where he kind of goes on ice and is a quote-unquote red shirt for his rookie year or, or what? Because they do have, you know, they have their top guys set at receiver, but there is that last spot, I would say, that six-receiver spot is still up in the air. Yeah, that's kind of what I assumed when I first saw the injury is that, uh, and, and again, especially with a foot injury, there's not a whole lot of incentive for them to kind of rush him back. Uh, like you said, the – they don't like. They're not in a position where they need him, so I would assume that he goes on kind of IR and gets stashed for the year, and is and it's basically for a player like him. I mean, that's a free ticket to 
every everything else but in-game action, obviously, in practice. But he gets to gain all the experience of being with the team for a year. And uh, we'll see what they got next year. He was a player that I know the team was excited to bring on. Uh, they gave him, a de- gave him a decent contract for an undrafted free agent. Um, he looked pretty um, intriguing from what we saw in college. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if if that was somebody that they try, kind of just kept around. But um, some players that are coming back. Uh, if, if you watched the game last year, you, or excuse me, last night, um, you know there was a lot of players that are out. Shanahan touched on all the starters that were healthy that didn't play a little bit. Um, Aziz Al-Shair, linebacker, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, uh, defensive man Samson Ebukam, um, tight end Michael Pruitt, Kwan Williams. Those are all guys that didn't play yesterday that the 49ers are expecting to have back at practice next week and likely playing in the game. Um, and then there's all the obvious like starters, you know, the George Kittles, the Trent Williams of the world. Um, Kyle Shanahan did say after the game yesterday that he was planning on getting more of them playing time in the next game and obviously a lot of playing time in the third game, which I do think is interesting because the preseason went from four to three games, but Kyle Shanahan still acted like the third game was like the dress rehearsal. So, I mean, is, does that mean they essentially – they felt like they got rid of the the game, like the prove-it game, the fourth game for somebody to make a last-ditch attempt at the roster, and they're tr- still treating the, the third game like the dress rehearsal? Is that kind of how you took it? Well, so, was the Chiefs game the fourth game? Since 16, Saturday, uh, 16 starters sat and Nate Sudfield didn't play, Josh Rosen got, um, after Lance played, he got entire pretty much the whole second half. So I wonder if maybe that's how they're doing it because he did say, yeah, he said the second right. game, the starters are going to play like a quarter. You have to assume Lance is going to get, what, maybe two quarters, maybe a quarter and a half. And then what does that mean for the Rosen-Sudfield battle? Because <laughs> the starters and the, the stars are going to play the first half, he said, against the Chiefs. Or, sorry, against the Raiders, the third game. So, yeah, I don't know. I would, I would imagine what we just saw was as close to the fourth game as, hopefully, <laughs> product-wise. <laughs> but, uh, just as far as playing time goes. No, that's a good question. I wonder. He, and they do have that joint practice against the Chargers. So, the starters will, will get plenty of reps leading up to the, the first game. So... Kind of the rest of the of the Shanahan's conference press conference on Sunday after the game kind of just had to do with what he saw in the game. So I'm going to gloss over that for now, and we'll kind of sprinkle it in as we talk about the game. So, and I feel like we probably should have led with this because I'm sure a lot of you guys are like sitting there just going, just talk about Trey Lance. Like, <laughs> I don't care, which is okay. I don't blame you. So let's get into that. Trey Lance, like I said earlier, yeah, for the most part, he looked like a rookie, but he had a few plays where it was just like, holy smokes, this could get fun. Um, what was your overall just thoughts on on the whole Trey Lance viewing experience? So you remember, did you watch the Bears and uh, Justin Fields earlier? Yes, I did. So as soon as Fields threw that touchdown, which was leak, which is like a Shanahan staple, in my mind I was like, oh, he's definitely running a trick play. But uh, Trent Sherfield said that they were planning that deep bomb all week. So that tells you Kyle was – he couldn't wait to show off his shiny new toy. <laughs> obviously, he did that. But, man, it was good. I thought the most impressive part of Lance was just him being able to stand tall in the pocket, not being worried about bodies around him, and go through his progressions without being bothered. So I think that is going to resonate. That's going to translate. And that's what it takes to win the NFL. Obviously, that goes without his athletic ability. 
we know he has an arm and still <laughs> like we're dazzled by some of the throws that he's making. Obviously the bomb, uh, you have a couple of far hash throws where he's throwing this ball on a line, like zip. And is that the reason why these guys are dropping passes? I don't know, but uh, his arm talent is just insane. And the, the accuracy was a little hit and miss. Like he, he wasn't perfect by any means. I thought um, part of the pressure that was on him kind of, you know, caused him to flee the pocket a little bit, maybe when he shouldn't have. But man, for a guy who just played the first his first NFL game, and we're talking about a preseason game, obviously, but uh, you could just see the sky's limited. He's going to be a special player because every time Kyle Shannon talks about him, he says he's quick to fix these mistakes, and he said that on Sunday too. So um, yeah, it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to. I think the most fun part about this is we're going to have a chance to see him grow up like right in front of our eyes. So. Or would it be outlandish to say this is going to be like the worst version of the Trey Lance we see? I mean, you would hope so. You would hope so. I mean, you don't you don't want to assume or wish that he regresses by any means. Um, but that to me too, the one reason I say I hope so with a little bit of confidence is it almost seemed like in some cases a watered down version of Trey Lance too, mm-hmm. because I mean he was making great throws, he had some great opportunities. Um, he looked he looked the part, but at the same time, the 49ers never ran any type of read play with him. Uh, they never had him run. He scrambled around a little bit and made some made some misses. One of the drops, uh, I believe it was by River Craycraft. Uh, Trey Lance did an awesome job evading the rush and then coming across his body and finding Craycraft on the left side, and that one was dropped. Um, there was another one earlier on in the game where he evaded more pressure. And if, if you did get my drift, pressure and Trey Lance was uh, kind of synonymous all night. Uh, rolled out to the right and found Brandon Ayuk coming across the field and, and put it – and he, wa- he wasn't – like there were like two guys right next to him too, and he put it right on him in the hands. And Ayuk dropped it. Now that is one I might – not because it's Ayuk, but because if you go back and watch that pass, that thing had some serious heat on it. And obvious as an NFL receiver, it doesn't matter. Like you got to catch the ball, um, and especially the reason for the heat was because, like I said, there were defenders right next to him, so he knew he had to fit it in there. Um, there were a lot of drops for Trey Lance. I think he had three or four. Richie James dropped what might have been the best throw of the night, in my opinion. Right in the middle of the hashes, Lance just turns, kind of a, a pressure flashes right in front of his face. It gets picked up by the tight end, I believe. Um, Gets picked up, but he fires it all the way across, or you know, from mid, in in between the hashes, all the way to the sideline. Uh, Richie James ran like a ten yard out, really sloppy one, by the way. If you go back and look at that, ran a ten yard out, and and Trey Lance, the ball barely had any any lift to it. It was just a rope that hit Trey Lance, or excuse me, Richie James, right in the hands, and he just drops it. And that was on third and eight to continue the drive, and uh, and that was kind of a theme too, is we never really. Got to see Trey Lance have any sort of an extended drive. Right. He was getting sacked. He was moving around. People were he was missing passes, um, or somebody was dropping the ball. It was kind of like this weird cascade of of problems. So, so would would we have seen a different version because he started four for seven, and those three incompletions were all drops, and then he ended one for seven. And that's not to make excuses because we haven't talked about uh, the one would be interception where the cornerback sunk. Um, from that cover two and probably should, well, he should have, there's no doubt about it, um, caught the ball and intercepted Lance. Um, there are a couple other ones that kind of sailed on him where for whatever reason, it looks like his just mechanics were off, but 
if if those guys caught the ball and Lance were, were he was able to stay in rhythm, uh, you have to imagine that we would see, you know, just obviously his numbers would have been better, but just perhaps just a different version of him. Um, another another takeaway that I had was just how dangerous Shanahan's offense is when the quarterback stretches the field vertically and horizontally. And obviously we've talked about the throws, whether it's the bomb or whether it's uh, the far hash out route to Richie James, or even, you know, knowing that he can keep the ball alive and keep the play alive and scramble a little bit and hit IU um, after like five seconds. So knowing that you have to defend the whole field under a guy like Kyle Shanahan, uh, that is going to be very, very dangerous, especially with the weapons on this offense. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's It just adds a – like I feel like a defensive coordinator already knows they're in for a rough afternoon, rough evening when they when you face Kyle Shanahan's offense just because of like the clinicalness of it. I'm pretty sure that's not a word, clinicalness, but <laughs> I'm using now. it right now. Yeah, it is now. This is my language. And you know you that there's a good chance – that you might that you're going to get picked apart. Like not that doesn't mean that that your defense is going to have no answer for it, but you know you're just in for it. And then you add a whole like almost like a volatile unknown aspect of it with a, a quarterback like Trey Lance. That you know, we're talking off-script plays, you know, on the fly, stuff that like, it just sucks. Like yeah. for you know, like you you can do everything right against a guy like Trey Lance and all these mobile quarterbacks, and they're still going to find a way to turn it against you. So it's just this. It's just adding this this unknown aspect of it. You know, it's like it's like taking a Ferrari. Like you know, it's going to be fast, and then you're like, hey, every now and then there's going to be some nitric nitrous oxide in your engine, and you're going to go way faster. And you're like, dang, this is gonna, this is kind of nervous, you know, like this kind of nerve wracking, and it's kind of to me what Trey Lance brings. Like you already know you're in good shape with with Kyle Shanahan, and then Trey Lance, it's just gonna take it up another notch whenever he feels like he needs to. So yeah, yeah so you you can't run man coverage essentially, and if you do, what we saw yesterday is if your pass rush doesn't get there, he will extend the play, and he will find somebody. And will they reminds catch me the of ball? that. That's another. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. It was, I was just going to say it reminds me of that that Colin Kaepernick touchdown in the playoffs uh, against the Green Bay Packers at Candlestick. It was his first playoff game where he ran wild, but there was that first touchdown, and it's not the one that, that everybody thinks of when they think of the Colin Kaepernick touchdowns against Green Bay. But they played man coverage, and Colin didn't really like his options, so he just ran to the left, and all the, the none of the DBs bothered turning around to look what the quarterback was doing. And he just jogged into the end zone like 25 yards. I mean, he didn't jog, get, but you get my point. Yeah, everybody's it's just, out of the way. Right. It's just, are you going to really turn your back on this guy? So it's. And even it, in short yarded situations. So you, now you have to deal with an extra runner. So now you have to, you know, account for all 11 players on offense. So I think high leverage situations. And who knows if we see him actually run in the preseason. I, I don't think you're going to want him to, you know, you, you don't want to expose him to any unnecessary hits. But when it comes to the regular season, I think in those high leverage, third, second and short situations, that's when we're going to see Lance. And I think that's where we're really going to see uh, the package take off. Right. And obviously we can talk about Lance all we want right now. But as of now, he's still not the starter. And, right. and kind of Kyle Shanahan makes it sound like doesn't we all know how that works. Makes it sound like it's not even close. And we didn't really get any clarification on that, despite watching Trey Lance play so much football. We didn't. It didn't really paint any of a picture when it comes to the quarterback competition because Jimmy Garoppolo was out there for one drive and three f- throws for like twenty something yards. Uh, 
And I mean, he looked sharp when he was out there, but again, it was just this little tiny sliver of Jimmy Garoppolo. We're supposed to see more of him next week. I thought Shanahan said maybe a quarter for Jimmy Garoppolo next week. And then maybe a half the week after that. I mean, that's if, if I remember correctly, I thought that's what he said, but so, I mean, in my eyes, just given, I mean, no doubt Trey Lance showed some pretty amazing talent, but he also showed kind of the rookie in him, missed throws, possible interceptions. I don't really think the competition dynamic really changed that much. No, not at all. Like, what what would have changed? Like, he would have had to gone out there and gone, like, 13 to 14 for four touchdowns. Like, just absolutely lit it up. Um, probably had a couple of scrambles, a couple of runs where Shanahan just had no chance. Like, when everybody knows him. And even then, some of the big plays were like, wow, but – yeah, Jimmy was fine, man. Jimmy was Jimmy, and that's kind of the guy who's been got rid of the ball fast. Um, he knows where to go with the football, and obviously it was only three attempts, but um, you, you like to see him just throw the ball to the running back on a wheel route, um, get the ball into his the hands of his playmakers and let them do the work. Like That's what Kyle Shannon's offense is predicated on, like the quick game. So uh, no issues with what he did, but I do want to see him you know, against the guys uh, for a quarter. Uh, let's see him get into rhythm. Let's see him – you know, have a long series or maybe backed up out of the end zone, like just different situations that Trey Lance got to be in. So that I think Kyle Shannon probably want the same too. Yeah. And then the really kind of the, the ultimate deciding factor is in terms of our eyes and what we could possibly see, Kyle Shanahan's going to have a completely different view of all this, but Trey Lance is, is not, nobody's doing him any favors. He's not receiving any favors by being out there with the, the second team offense more specifically, the second-team offensive line. Uh, he was pressured a lot. He was sacked four times. Three of them were, were pretty obviously not his fault. The fourth one, he could have gotten the, probably gotten rid of the ball a little quicker. Um, but it just it's tough to paint an accurate picture of what this competition is, what Trey Lance is capable of in this offense when it's not even really. He didn't have Alex Mack. He didn't have Trent freaking Williams. It's, it's just tough because – it, at times, it looked like, again, he did miss some throws and he threw some poss- a, a couple passes that could have been picked off. But there were some times where it looked like it was completely out of Trey Lance's control what was going to happen on a play between drops and pressure. And it, it just, it was a kind of a, just an unstable environment. And one of the things I talked about with, and I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, I talked to Eric Crocker about this earlier today was uh, you would, hate for any bad habits or bad like trains of thought to develop within Trey Lance based on the way these preseason games are unfolding with like a second team offense, second or third team offensive line, because it's, you know, you just don't want him to get used to having to rush or get used to having to run or being forced to really do any one thing in particular that he doesn't necessarily need that he won't need to do with the first team offense. So it, it, you know, as much as I feel like the the dynamic of, of Trey Lance getting second team reps is perfectly normal, every other quarterback pretty much has done it. I'm worried that he's going to get a you know a false sense of what he needs to do out there the longer he plays with them. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. So you don't want your first instinct to be for your eyes to drop against pressure because you have a day three rookie as your blindside protection. You don't want you know, your rookie quarterback to develop a habit where he thinks that to get a pass off, he's going to have to move the pocket a little bit because 
the further along he played, the worse the pass protection got. And it just seemed like it's it would be easy for him to develop those bad habits that you mentioned. So I agree. And, and that's tough because you want to get Jimmy ready for the season too. So, like, what do you do as a coach in this scenario? It's uh, it's not easy for Shanahan. But, I mean, he did talk about how he kind of wanted to play Lance more just because he was fired up to play. But still, uh, you're not going to leave a starting offensive line out there in a preseason game because they're ready. So um, it's it's a catch-22, it seems like. It is, man. That's a good way to put it. Like, if Jimmy Garoppolo is ahead in Shanahan's mind, then I think he just has a duty to the team to treat him however he would treat the starter. You know, and, and that's just the way it has to be. It's unfortunate for Trey Lance, especially if, you know, there's a legitimate chance that he could be the better option week one. You know, it's tough because he's a rookie, and we saw that. But at the same time, if, if Kyle Shanahan considers – Jimmy Garoppolo, the starter, then he has to he has to angle everything towards that because the as much as we like to talk shit about him, there's preseason reps that are important, especially when you're talking about dress rehearsal stuff for the starters to get back into the groove of things because the last thing this team wants to do is, one, start Jimmy Garoppolo, go out week one against the Lions, who might be among the worst teams in the league, yes. and, and not win. Because you know, if you're asking me, I'm saying the, the, the Lions – might be a bottom five team in the NFL and the, the 49ers could be a top, should be a top 10, might be a top five team in the NFL. So there's no excuse to go out there and win and excuse me, and lose week one to a far inferior team or even make it look competitive if we're being honest. And if that is what makes the difference in these, in the, how Shanahan treats these preseason reps, then it, you know, he, he has to do what he has to do. And I know everybody's super like amped up to see Trey Lance get his opportunity, including myself. But again, if, if Shanahan sees Garoppolo as the guy, then he has to angle it that way because the team's got to be prepared for the, the first week of the season, right? Uh, here's a hypothetical. So, yes, the Lions are one of the worst teams in the NFL. And if, if Jared Goff scores twice, that is a problem. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's say that they jump out to a big lead and uh, it's 28-7 to 7 and we are – midway through the third quarter do you pull jimmy and let lance you know get the rest of the game and the same goes for the eagles too because i don't feel like they're uh very good either i don't know man that's tough i mean it's really tough when to know to take your foot off the gas in a regular season game it i think there's some obvious times but i mean like when's the last time we saw a team pull start pulling starters in a regular season game i'm sure it's not nearly as as long ago as I think it is, but it just doesn't happen very often. You know, like even when there's an ass whooping, they just keep whooping ass and you might slightly adjust the game plan. Like, okay, let's just start running the ball and get this thing over with. But like completely pulling starters doesn't happen as often. Now this is a different case where the 49ers have already said they have plans to play Trey Lance, like even when Jim Garoppolo is the starter. So I don't know, man, what would you do? So so they did that. In 2019, I'm trying to think back. They pulled Jimmy um, with like eight or ten minutes left against the Bengals. They did the same thing against the Panthers. But those are games where it's like 41-13, 51, whatever it was, <laughs> right. where there's just zero chance of coming back. But, I mean, if we're assuming that Lance isn't sprinkled into the game at, at any point, then I guess why not? But Yeah, I agree with that. It, it is tough because – you just pull Jimmy and you leave everyone else in there. 
um, which would make sense because you don't want to get your, you know, your future, your everything that you've invested and just hurt at all or take any chances of that. But at the same time, you're not really thinking about injuries like that. You want to get him reps. And um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any right, right answer. Um, you just got to let him play eventually. And that finding where you kind of slide him in there is the toughest part of all of this. So yeah, do not envy Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, and the 49ers of making these decisions at all. No, yeah, me either. Me either. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, so it'll just be a cool dynamic, and I think by the time week one rolls around, whether it's for the reports we read from their, their upcoming practices with the Chargers, whether it's through the, what we see over these next two preseason games, uh, they play the Chargers this week and then the Raiders at Levi's uh, the third week. So I think we'll just have a clearer picture of what's happening. I don't think it's going to be a situation where like who trots out there on week one against the Lions is a surprise. I think we'll all pretty much know. Shannon will probably say it. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens over the next couple weeks. How about this? To see. Based on what Lance just did, like what does he have to do to supplant Jimmy as a starter? Because knowing that Jimmy's going to play one quarter and knowing that he's going to play an entire half and you still have two other quarterbacks aside from Lance that you want to, you know, Presumably get reps because they're going to make the roster as well. One of those two. The first thing that pops in my mind is just methodical drives. You know, like 
putting together drives and marching down the field. Now, again, especially when you look at how, how yesterday went, there was so much of that that was out of Trey Lance's control. So that doesn't always – it's not always that simple. But to me, it's just clearly showing that he's capable of executing like a consistent drive, making the right meets, making the right calls. Obviously, that's going to be a, a relationship between him and Shanahan as far as how he's executing the play. But that's that's probably what I would lean on is just a clear ability to do the same things that Jimmy Garoppolo is doing, but a little bit better. And if that includes the off script, making plays by moving around the pocket, making plays with his legs, then so be it. But he's just got to sh- – I mean, it, it really – it's like a football, you know, coach speak type deal. But he, he has to show that everything Jimmy Garoppolo can do, he can do better. Uh, no. Speaking of speaking of coach speak, I tweeted from Niners Nation that um, I, uh, that pass that I dropped hit him in a bad spot, and people didn't. Dude, I saw that. that was a joke. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I <laughs> did see that, and I went. I I like replied to it, and I I think I said something to the effect of. This is when you know it's good. Or like these replies are when you know it's good. Right. <laughs> because that was perfectly executed sarcasm. And so many people just completely failed to, to recognize it. And it was like, yes, he hit him in the hands, guys. It's. I used to always say that too, like in flag football, if I was – I wasn't ever the quarterback, but I would watch the throw and a guy would drop it and I would just yell like, hey, man, sorry, hit you in the hands, bro. Like – and he basically did the same thing, and I was really disappointed that so many people on Twitter didn't grasp that one. I thought it was well done. I uh, I was really surprised by that. Like I, I I knew they would go over some people's head, but not the majority of people's head. <laughs> right. All right. So let's move on to the other parts of the preseason game outside of Trey Lance slash Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, kind of just rolling through this. We've already kind of mentioned it, so I'll just go into go straight into it. Kind of seems like. Richie James is wide receiver. Richie James is kind of showing himself out. And as of right now, I don't have him making this team. What do you think? No. Like what has he done to make the team? And sure. He's, he's was the punt returner yesterday because they don't want to have Brandon Ayuk back there in the preseason. I imagine. But if, if Ayuk's a better return man than him, which I think everybody would assume that he is, and you're not going to use him as a kicker turner. Like what is his value? Because, Shannon actually spoke about this, I believe it was last week when he was talking about, you know, you have to be able to do more than just special teams. You have to be able to, you know, contribute something as a wide receiver. And that's what Trent Sherfield has showed, and he did that in the game. But, I mean, if you can't catch the ball, you can't play receiver. And that's been a problem for James all during training camp. And, I mean, it's not like he's been this consistent wide receiver for the 49ers throughout his tenure. Uh, yeah, he hasn't had he hasn't always had the opportunities, but I feel like we have to start talking about uh, there are reasons for that, and I think we're starting to see those, or at least we saw that um, just during the game. But I don't know, man. I don't know why you would put him on the roster. I guess is the best reason because there are a lot, a lot of good players on this team who were going to be cut. But I mean, where are you going to take Jennings off? Are you going to take uh, maybe the ghost of Hurd? Whenever that comes, <laughs> so I think Jalen Hurd not being active for this game is a good sign for him, which means guys like Richie James, Richard, uh, River Craycraft, and, you know, the depth guys, like they have to step up. And they had an opportunity, and they did not take advantage of it, man. You can't do that. Yeah, it's just 
I mean, he was like we I mentioned earlier. He was like the recipient of what might have been Trey Lance's best throw of the evening, and it was on third down to keep the drive going, and he just drops it. And the DB was was not far away, but he had no impact on the catch whatsoever, and he just dropped it. and And that's got to be irritating for Shanahan because he wants to see what Trey Lance can do, and those are the types of things Trey Lance is dealing with throughout the afternoon that just make it hard to do, like. Because he, you have experienced receivers just dropping the ball, and it it's pretty infuriating. And there's not a lot you can do about it. Like you can't, you know, if a player makes a mental mistake and he forgets to play, like it's easy to say, "Oh, you should have done this." But like when a player drops the ball, you're like, "Hey, you should have caught it." And they're like, "Yeah, I know." You know, it's like there's not a whole lot to to have there. So I do think that, he, and, and even with his return stuff, like. It's so much more complicated than I'm about to make it, but I'm so tired of watching Richie James take out kicks and getting tackled at the 20, like, or the 18. Like, it's like, that's probably a little bit to do with coaching and what they want to do as, as a unit, but it's just like, man, you never make it to the 25. Stop it. Like, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But um, how the offensive lineman look there, KB? Not great. Not <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> So Jalen Moore actually had a few good reps, but then he gave, he gave up that sack where, um, you know, he just – it seemed like he was almost parallel to the line of scrimmage, like his shoulders. That's how bad he was beat. But to be fair, um, that's when Trey Lance kind of drifted and left the pocket a little bit. So um, we do have to put some of this on the quarterback. But when we're talking about, like, the guys like Aaron Banks, um, he was just getting trampled. Daniel Brunskill literally got trampled by Chris. <laughs> he did. Uh, man. Get well soon. Well, they're not even – it's not like they're injured. So we talked about this a little bit before. It's it's so tough just because Trent Williams, like the best – probably one of the best left tackles, if not the best left tackle. Like he's not out there. He's going to make everybody better. Uh, Alex Mack, just when you watch him in practice, he doesn't make mistakes, man. So um, just seeing them behind a guy like Trey Lance, like that would be – or I guess I should in front of Trey Lance – that would be a lot easier to judge, even all the quarterbacks. But um, I think they, they created some rushing lanes. Like the 49ers ran the ball really well. So I think we have to take that into account as well and not just blame uh, the few pressures, you know, and there were some sacks. But they, I think they ran for over 150 yards. Like it was like six yards per carry. 175, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that had – like we're going to knock them for – you know, pressures, we have to give them credit for opening running lanes for, you know, Jamaica AC and some of the other guys. Um, but it's going to be a work in progress, and they've invested so much in this offensive line. So if there's going to be one weak link, like if you just look around the league, the majority of teams have at least, like at the very minimum, one player who probably shouldn't be starting. So if that's the right guard for the 49ers – knowing that they've invested heavily in every other position, like that's just how it's going to be. And they're going to have to coach around that because like, it's just, it feels naive to say you, you have to have five all pros to have a success. <laughs> like, that's just not how football works, man. So um, they knew this coming in and we're going to see if it may like continues to be a problem. And if it does, they're going to just shuffle guys in and out. And I, I imagine they'll find who the right guy is, but uh, surprisingly, I'm, I'm not really worried about Brunsk. I think he is a lot better uh, than he's given credit for. Uh, he's just not going to be able to block the elite guys. But again, who is? 
Right. I was just going to say, it's not like getting beat by Chris Jones is necessarily a slap in the face. You know, and I mean, it, you know, if you're getting beat every rep, then there's a problem there. But losing a rep to Chris Jones is not a huge deal. And, and at least it's not as big of a deal as people were making out to be. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, what else we got here? Uh, okay, so yeah, pat myself on the back, I guess. Silly, super silly thing. But if you listen to our last pod, we chose anybody on the team that we felt like was going to be somebody to earn a disproportionate amount of hype based on their week one preseason performance. I can't remember who you picked. KP, do you remember who you picked? Juwan Jennings. Hey, and he got some love too. Even got some love from Shanahan the press conference. Juwan Jennings had two carries for 23 yards, and then he also added on uh, another catch for 26. So, I mean, he was no slouch either. But my pick was Jamichael <laughs> Hasty, who gets 10 carries and goes for 63 yards and just was like, you know, had a long of 21, scored a touchdown on the goal line. Uh, I, I'm not even going to say that he's going to receive a disproportionate amount of hype. I think that he probably is going to receive the most uh, because if you were to pick one person that probably had the best kind of performance as a whole, you'd probably pick him. Um, but he was almost single-handedly responsible for that. Him and Nasimba Webster were almost single, single-handedly responsible for that one scoring drive late in the game. But it is funny um, that both of our choices kind of balled out, did pretty well. But at the same time, I look at – Juwan Jennings doing well a little differently than I knew Jermichael Hasty because I see the the path in front of Hasty um, a little less inviting as you would as I do Jennings because you've got you've got Raheem Mostert you've got Trey Sermon you've got Wayne Gallman you've got uh, Elijah Mitchell who now you know might give Hasty a chance to work his way into the equation. I just even with a solid performance, I see Hasty's roster chances as a little weaker than I do Jennings, who is was a draft pick a couple years ago, and there's a spot for him. There's you know you've got a couple spots at the bottom of the receiver roster slash depth chart that may be open for consideration, like we we're just talking about with Richie James. So I don't know, man. What were your takes? And and we can kind of expand this into other rookies or whatever. But what were your take on both of those? individuals yeah it was good to see Jennings did he look does he look leaner to you by the way I think that was he, one of the first things that I noticed like a couple of weeks ago when I saw him so like he definitely looks uh, skinnier he does and it and it and it, if that is the case if he does indeed look leaner it, it he seems to be faster too like right. than what than what I saw in college like in college he kind of seemed like almost like a move tight end um, he would create just enough space to catch separation to catch the ball, and then he he broke tackles pretty regularly. He was tough to bring down, and now he still seems like he's got those traits, but he does seem noticeably quicker and leaner. I, I saw a couple routes where you still kind of want him to be better out of his break, so he's not going to be you know what a return like a pivot route is, right? Oh, of course. So he doesn't look good on those yet, but I, I don't think you're going to want a guy at his size to run those type of routes anyway. But uh, it was cool to see him just get open down the seam, and that's where. If you're not really good out of your breaks, or if you like in, struggle out of your breaks in any way, that route is like the worst for yes. it. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's going to make you look the worst. So, um, 
Yeah. What about uh, what do you think of Jamichael Hasty and, and kind of that whole running back picture? Well, real quick, even going back to Jennings. So I think it's great that they get the ball in his hands and he just instantly turns into a runner and gets upfield and just maximizes the yard. So he's probably not going to be a guy who uh, makes you miss. He's not going to be a guy that either probably even runs you over, but it just it's good to see him get 10, 12, whatever yards it was. Uh, for, why, how was that not a completion? I know it was behind the line of scrimmage, but didn't the ball go forward? I don't know. It looked like it did, but they counted both of those as runs for him, which is why I asked. But Hasty was good, man. Like I, that was probably the best Hasty has looked uh, in August. And I don't. That's not really you know to to come at him because he he's just fumbled the ball way too much, and he did that again. But he looked like he had just some more juice. I guess more juice than I'm used to seeing. I guess that was the case. But I don't I don't know if he's he's bigger. Something was different with Hasty, but he looked good and. Um, you know, if they have guys putting the ball on the ground, maybe Hasty gets an opportunity. So uh, they do need somebody out of the backfield, and I don't know if that is going to be Trey Sermon. But I just think it was good to see Hasty uh, look like he belonged. And I, I don't know if that was always the case last year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. No matter what, whether it makes the roster or not, it was a strong showing. And the other part of this whole equation you have to consider is if they're not making the 49ers, especially at running back, they're probably – going to get swooped up by another team, at least in some respect. Oh, yeah. um, the 49ers, if, if they were cutting somebody like Hasty, would obviously want him on the practice squad, but I'm not sure they'd get the opportunity for that. I'm not, it's tough to say, but any good performance is not a wasted performance in the preseason just based on how the landscape of the NFL works. Um, what else do we got here? Let me check my notes. Uh, a lot of good, decent days for rookies. Not everybody's shown out. Um, but it seemed like the rookie class put on a little bit of a show. Do you have like a, a rookie that like stood out to you or, or somebody that immediately comes to mind? I mean, Lenore had the interception. He had a couple of nice coverages, but I think it was cool to see uh, Hufunga um, from USC. I think it was cool to see him just active on special teams because they do that. Like, they are not good on special teams. <laughs> I think that was pretty evident. Whether that's the line drive punts, what it seemed like Wisnowski was doing, but he he. Actually, his overall, his yardage was a lot better than what it's felt like. But, I mean, gold, missing the extra point, and then just the giving up yardage on special teams as well. But I thought Ufunga did a really good job of just tackling in the open field. He had a couple of nice tackles on defense. Um, I will say, and I told you this before, he's probably getting a little too much hype um, just based on the DPI, which that matters. When you commit a DPI and the offense goes down to score a touchdown, we have to uh, take that into account and then – uh, yeah, the one jet sweep where uh, Tyreek Hill, no way to simulate that type of speed in practice. Um, but I thought he's going to be a fun player. I think it's pretty evident that you could have a role for him. And he didn't look lost um, when he was playing that deep safety spot when he was, you know, like 15 yards back. So it was, it was cool to see that. Uh, the guy that I was really impressed with and have been impressed with is just the linebacker, Jonas Griffin. Uh, he almost ran into an interception. I thought he was going to get it, but uh, he had another – I think he had another pass breaker, but – just active, man. Just seeing these guys, these young guys active because they're going to have an opportunity to play. Yeah, Jonas Griffith, Jonathan Hilliard was pretty good. He, he led the team in tackles, also got after the quarterback a little bit. Um, yeah, Lenore, you mentioned, he just seemed like he was kind of in the mix. I think he's obvious. I wouldn't say obvious. He's probably the 49ers' third corner right now. You know, you have – it seems just by the way he was used in that game that – if if it push come to shove in a game, it, it would be 
Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, and then uh, Lenore, right? I mean, he, he was kind of that first corner out the gate. And, and did Amory Thomas come right out the gate, or was he on coming onto the field a little bit later? So, no, they, they started. You're, you're forgetting old number 24 there, but um, what started. Can't the Dante? Him. Yeah, I am. I am forgetting him. Um, My bad, dude. But no, I, I would I would put uh, Lenore over Dante Johnson. Um, but when they started the game, it was Lenore getting the nod over Amory Thomas, which isn't a surprise based on how they practice. He just looks more comfortable. I think Amory Thomas just I don't know. He he seems like a like a linear athlete where he's he's fast in straight lines, but I don't know if he can go side to side. Did he take well. last year off? Yeah, he did not play. He uh, he he opted out of. Okay, so I mean, and that that's worth at least worth considering for sure. Because Absolutely, that's that's a lot of experience. Um, yeah, Hufunga seemed like he was moving around. Obviously, not without fault, but he was he was around the ball a lot, especially on tri- special teams. And and he he came out right out and said like, "Hey, my f- my first goal is to just be a great special teamer and make the team because of how I play on special teams." which doesn't surprise me at all. The guy just seems like one of those dudes that just is absolutely stoked to just be on the football field. And um, so that's a good, that's a good quality. Um, another person that gets a lot of love on the football field. And I don't know what it is. I wish I knew, but Jordan Matthews, like yes. when he made that play, like what was it? Like an 18 yard catch. I could, I could check the numbers. Let me see. I'm fine. Yeah. One catch for 16 yards. Excuse me. The whole sideline just like went crazy. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, like, I don't even know if he's going to make the team. I don't really know if there's a spot for him, but it's obvious that he's loved. The 49ers had brought him back like eight or nine times. So let him be the mascot. Let him be the new sourdough Sam. That would be so funny, bro. (laughs) I just kind of like picturing a bunch of versions of him in my head. He had a, he had a special teams tackle. Do you remember that, that too? Line? Yep. Where he's like yep. running off with like one finger, like waving no. <laughs> just the fact <laughs> that you can tell he's just having the time of his life out there, which is really dope to see. Well, and I got to give a shout out to Ken Webster, who was beat on a play by about two yards on a deep route down the left sideline. Uh, the ball was overthrown by whoever was in at quarterback for the Chiefs. Um, it bounced incomplete right in front of the receiver. It wasn't that bad of a pass, just a little out in front of him. And Ken Webster was beat by a couple of yards, and you and I both tweeted about it. He gave the old uh, "No way, not not in my house." Incomplete, bitch. <laughs> Damn, and, man, I hate it so much. And he had no say in how that play unfolded. So, if the ball was even like a little more accurate, he's probably giving up a touchdown. Right, and he's running just right behind him the whole time. So it was. I love it. I love it. Do your thing, DBs. Your job sucks. You have probably the hardest job on the entire football field. Uh, so if it goes your way, do it all you want, but I'm still going to make fun of you because it's hilarious. Arden Key was a guy that I had highlighted. I thought he had some really nice uh, speed rushes around the edge. Uh, he came close to getting a strip sack on one play, but I think he's going to contribute quite a bit, and I think he's going to be like this year's version of Ronnie Blair where he kind of sneaks and has maybe like five and a half, six sacks, something like that, which might not sound like a lot, but for your fifth or sixth rusher, that is high quality stuff yeah one person that got a uh we mentioned this earlier got a or you and i mentioned this earlier but who got a little bit of a talking to and to say today's press conference was rookie press conference i kind of said that like <laughs> i was from wisconsin um got a little bit of a talking to from kyle shanahan was rookie running back trey Serban, who 
uh, committed the cardinal sin of fumbling the football. Can't do it, man. Pretty Can't simple. play with them. Yep, Can't uh, coach with them. That's uh, that's how Matt Breida got out of here, and he's they want him to be the guy. I think it's pretty evident that you know, based on how Cam's gone, he's only played with the starters. It's been him and Mostert. So uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear Shanahan just like rip the guys after fumbling. <laughs> Because I don't know if he would spook them into not doing it or how he would address it, but um, yeah, you just can't do that. And they so when they got in the red zone, it seemed like everything just kind of went to shit for them because they did move the ball pretty well. And whether that's you know the Rosen interception or the fumbles or just like errant throws, uh, and I mean it's the freaking preseason, so I'm not like killing them for it, but it's just something that I noticed. Yeah, it was. I just don't. We've heard so much about Shanahan's doghouse, you know what I mean? Like that it just seems like such a terrifying place. And like I could just picture there being a room in Levi Stadium with like a, you know, like a beat up door from being slammed and the light on the inside kind of like flickers and like the players (laughs) that are in Shanahan's doghouse have to go to that room after the game and – it's just whatever happens in there is just not pretty. That's kind of just like what I pictured. Trey Sermon seemed like he took a small trip there. Um, Shanahan also just quickly touched on the whole Trey Lance dynamic and just said he's not in any hurry to rush him out there to play with the ones. Um, and, and that was kind of clear in the way he assessed the game to begin with. Like, eh, some good things, some bad things. That 80-yard touchdown was cool, but that was about it. Now, sure, of course, Shanahan might be playing his cards close to the chest. But at the same time, he didn't he didn't seem taken back by Trey Lance in any way, um, not, at least not enough to be like, yeah, ew, this is a real competition, whatever you would think he would say. So um, there was one more thing that got – well, oh, yeah, I guess it's important to mention the Seahawks' um, former linebacker Michael Kendricks is now a member of the 49ers. And Shanahan kind of briefly touched on that uh, yesterday too. He didn't even know they'd signed him yet. It was it was obviously something that kind of officially took place during the game. And he was like, "I know we brought him in, but I don't know if we signed him. But I, I hope we did because <laughs> yeah. he'll add some competition." And it didn't seem like all it was all that big of a deal. Uh, I don't know where he fits. I'd really have to look at it. I don't know where he fits on this roster and if he's somebody that's going to be going to make it or if he's just kind of hanging around. I don't know because yeah. it's almost the opposite. Like. The 49ers are getting a couple linebackers back from injury right now. So it's not like he was signed to make up for an injury or, or to reinforce the group. Um, so maybe there's something there the 49ers decided that they like. Maybe there's uh, you know a plan for his skill set. I don't know, man. Did you, am I reading too far into it? No, and I'm not sure why I don't have – I really don't have any tips on Kendricks. I know that. And, you know, if there's a linebacker out there that you want from Seattle, it's probably KJ Wright, but – um, Kendrick is the athlete. He's a speedy guy. And I imagine, you know, they just want a veteran out there because they are pretty young. And Fred Warner is the leader, like the veteran of the linebacker group. And he was drafted in 2018. So uh, you have Dre Greenlaw and then you have Aziz and um, Demetrius Flanagan and Foles, who both of those dudes are undrafted free agents. So uh, it's not like they have a lot of experience or, you know, that leadership. So. Uh, it could be as, sim- as simple as wanting to get a guy who has been through it, so to say. So I think that could be the reason. Yeah, yeah. You can never – I mean, we've said it a million times, and, and it's one of those things that doesn't even need to be said. It's just that 
experience is probably one of the most powerful things out on the field uh, that really doesn't get talked about enough, maybe. Uh, but I think that's – have we got anything else? You got anything else on your note sheet that we haven't talked about? No, man. I think we pretty much covered it all. Okay. I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, we will – this one should be hitting your feeds on Monday morning. Um, so we'll probably come at you guys a little later this week, maybe on Wednesday or Thursday for you guys to get it on Thursday or Friday. Um, talking about, you know, what we'd like to see in preseason week two. And we will also be able to, by Thursday, we should be able to break down some of what we've heard from the, the joint practices with the Chargers. Yeah. I'll be there. Oh yeah. Let's go. We'll get it firsthand. Nice. I love it. I love it. Okay. Anything else there, KP? No, man, just looking forward to it, uh, them going against a different team. Hopefully we get a chance to record it because the Chargers, I feel like every other team besides the 49ers lets the media record everything, but the 49ers, so <laughs> let's hope that's the case. <laughs> no, I just picture the 49ers media members running around at Chargers practice going, no, 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 put it away, put it away, put it away. I'm, I'm going to show but, up in a Chargers polo. <laughs> I know, I know, dude, do it, man, do it for the gram, but anyways. <laughs> That's uh, that's gonna do it for us for this evening. Um, we, like I said, we'll be coming out at, coming at you guys a little later this week with some uh, some more breakdowns of what we've what we've seen uh, from the Chargers joint practices and talk about what we hope to see against the Chargers in next weekend's preseason game. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Striking Gold. Make sure you guys are out there downloading, rating, subscribing, and all that stuff you guys got to do. Follow KP on Twitter at KP underscore show. Just know that there's a lot of sarcasm that comes with that. Okay, so be prepared for that. And then uh, you've got my uh, Twitter at Rob underscore louder. Um, do the follow things. Thanks for all the support. I appreciate you guys. Wouldn't be able to have this podcast without you guys listening to it. So keep doing that thing. Um, but hey, for another episode, that's KP. I'm Rob. We're signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.